Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. If you're taking notes today, be prepared. There may, you may want to flip it on the backside because I'm, I'm going to drop a little bit of stuff on you that's not in your notes. But for the sake of saving some paper, I try to put just some important things there. Worship, the word itself, the word worship itself appears for the very first time in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. The word for the first time in the Bible appears in Genesis 22, 1 through 5. And and, and what's happening in this particular scripture, this is Abraham getting ready to sacrifice his son. Now, Now, let me give you a little backstory before we read this scripture. Abraham, an old man, and his wife never had children. The one thing they wanted was to bear a son. They were specific in their request to God. God, bless us with a son. They didn't say, just give us a a, a kid. They didn't just say, God, bless us with a child. They didn't say, you know what, if you ain't going to bless us with a child, just give us a puppy. No, they were specific in their request and their petition to God, give us a son. And then he, he, he made the promise and the covenant with Abraham. He says, yes, I'll give you one. But Abraham had to wait. Years went by. Nothing. God, you, you told me you were going to give me a son. 25 years later, this guy is already up in age, he and his wife. They're blessed with a son. The one thing they desire more than anything in the world, a son, God is going to give it to them. Finally, they have this son, this boy they love so much. This boy who, who, who they know was a blessing from God and God had a plan for that son's life. They knew he, he was special. God asks Abraham to do the most, the most crazy thing in the world, the most radical thing you could think about. The thing you've been asking me for, I'm going to give you. You got him. But check this out. I want you to sacrifice him. The thing they waited over a hundred years for, God says, take that thing, sacrifice it. Let me go to the scripture. And then we're going to bring all of this here because I, I, I want you to hold on to this thing, this theme of sacrifice this morning. Genesis 22, 1 through 5 says this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. I'm going to ad-lib a little bit. The one you have been asking for, the firstborn, the one that I promised you and you had to wait 25 years for me to give to you. Take that son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, let me just pause real quick. Let me just press pause. I asked God for all four of my children. And I even asked for the sex. And he gave it to me in that order. It's boy, girl, boy, girl. Well, let me think. Maybe Sydney kind of crept, us on, crept up on us. We, that was not planned. A mission trip happened, and I was gone for a while and things, you know. But I did ask that God would bless me with another daughter. And, and, and he did that. Now, I'm trying to imagine being Abraham and God saying, Broderick, yes, God. Take Junior. Woo, my namesake? I mean, he looks like me. He acts like me. He, he's so animated like me. My namesake? Okay, what you want me to do with him? You want me to take him to the park? 
Get him ice cream. What you want me to do, God? Take him, and I want you to sacrifice him. Sure, I'll give him back to you, Lord. No, no, no. I want you to lay him on the altar. I want you to bring death to him. Me and God would have a real big problem. I may even consider leaving this thing because that's a big deal. My namesake, my my spitting image, the, the kid that acts the most like me, you want me to, I begged you for this guy. You give him, you want me to just, we got issues, God. We have issues, but not Abraham. This is why we're not, this is why Broderick's name is not in the Bible because I'm just not that holy. Abraham was holy. Abraham got up the next morning, right? Saddled up his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God told him about. And on the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he told his servants, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will, here's the word, worship there. And then we will come right back. The first time in the entire Bible we find this word, worship. Now, l- let me share this with you. The act or the practice of worship happened before the word appeared. It actually starts in Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel bringing a sacrifice unto God. But this word worship appears here. Why does it appear at a moment where a sacrifice is going to take place? The sacrifice of something you desire, the sacrifice of something you loved and begged God for, the sacrifice of something that you waited for an extended period of time for. Why would God put this word here in this scripture at this time? Why not put it there when, 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 when Cain and Abel gave an offering? Because there was no love attached to their sacrifice. There was nothing personal attached to their sacrifice. There was no weight that happened in their sacrifice. He did it here to show you that worship equals sacrifice. Worship equals sacrifice. In other words, when we come before God to to, to worship, he wants all that we are. He wants our everything, everything that represents us. He wants all of those things laid at his feet as sacrifice in order to get all of him. He wants you to give all of you, everything that represents you, everything that you love, everything that you care about, your DNA, your name, your family, your career. In order to get all of him, you must bring all of that to his feet. There's no other way because if you got room for all of that stuff, there's no room for God. And he wants all of you. Sacrifice. Hold on to that theme. We got, we, we got somewhere to go. I'm, I'm going to get us to where we got to go. But hold on to that theme for the day. Worship is sacrifice. Worship is sacrifice. Even if we look at the, the, the system of sacrifice in the Old Testament, the, where, where it began in Leviticus, where, where everything there was an offering. You brought an offering, and that was an act of your, 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 your worship. There was a sin offering. There was a peace offering. And there was a, if you think you're going to sin offering type of, you know, it was like on top of offering. But those were ways we worshiped in the Old Testament. There was a, all of these offerings which, which, which acted as worship. And, and, so, and so, so, so in order to worship and have an authentic encounter with God, we must first sacrifice. And I've asked you very early on, sacrifice everything you think you know or that you've always known or have known in the past about worship. Because today I'm going to change your whole thought about what worship really is. It's not where, where we come here, we sit down, countdown shuts off. Dorothy says, rise upon your feet. We already know we're going to sing about two songs, maybe three if it's a good day. Okay? Then we're going to sit down. One is going to be fast, one is going to be slow. Right? That's not worship. 
That is not worship. That is entertainment. And, and you can get way better show if you go down to the tabernacle or something like that when one of your favorite artists is in town. You get a far better show than that. Or if you go to the jazz festival where it's free, you get a far better show than what you're getting here. But that's the beauty of it. Worship is not for show. It's for real. We're we going to get into that. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. In both Hebrew and Greek, there are two major kinds of words for worship. The first kind means to bow down, to kneel, to put one's face down as an act of respect and submission. Our body language is saying, I will do, God, whatever you want me to do. I, I will do whatever you say. I am ready for your instructions. That's the, there are several words in Hebrew and Greek that describe that type of worship, several words that describe that type of worship, okay? The, 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 the other kind of biblical word, uh, that, worship, that, that is used to describe worship is translated into a word that means to serve. So, so there are two words when we look in the Hebrew and the Greek in the Bible that describe worship. There are several words, but when they, when they use that word to describe it, 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 to describe worship, it means number one, watch this, the first one is to surrender, to bow down, to be submissive, to be prepared in position uh, uh, to receive instruction. The other one is serve, is to serve. The second word for uh, term for worship is to serve. Watch this, watch this, here we go. Roughly half of the time, these words are translated as worship and the other half as serve. It carries the idea of doing something for God, making a sacrifice or carrying out his, instruct, his instructions. Whenever we read the word, the word in the Bible about worship, it doesn't say to sing. Whenever I read the word in the Bible and I translate it from, from its original, from, from English to its original context, it doesn't say to preach. And as I shared with you last week, songs and sermons are stimuli to get you into a place of worship, but songs and sermon are not worship. They are stimuli. In other words, uh, the song should get you to a place to where you are getting transparent and getting naked before God to really give him your everything. It just stimulates the atmosphere. It stimulates and tugs on your heartstrings a little bit to prepare you for what you're about to give. Hold on to that word, too, because that's what this is about. See, we come to worship to give and not get. And I want you all to hold on to that. And the only way you can give is you have to sacrifice something. Too many of us come to worship trying to feel good. At the end of the day, we, we oh, that's my song. Oh, I'm feeling good now. I had a miserable day, but y'all sang my jam Things looking good now. Oh, pastor, that was a word. Man. You brought the word. I feel so much better. That was good worship. And I say, no, it wasn't. By the time you got here, you should have had an encounter with God so that when you get here, the atmosphere is already set up. He met you here. Y'all already were having this exchange together on your way to this place. All right, I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm excited about what God is saying about worship. I pray that at the end of this series, worship looks so much different for not Mosaic Church, but you individually, so that wherever you go, you ain't waiting for them to strike the first chord. You're not waiting for the stuff to come on the screen. You're not waiting for the preacher to get up. You're not waiting for somebody to say, get up on your feet. As soon as you go into even another church or a conference, wherever you go, you automatically walk in there, and people are like, what's going on? She's worshiping. He's worshiping. It's already in you. You've already started this dialogue and this conversation with God. Watch this. Let me, let me tell you what, what, what I don't want to happen. Because what has happened with the church, the modern church here in America, is that our worship has gotten very ritualistic. And as I shared with you last week, there's nothing wrong with ritual. Ritual is good because ritual actually, it, it builds us up. It, it kind of sets our DNA. It sets who we are as a group, as a people, as individuals. But here's the problem with worship, I mean, with, rit with being ritualistic. Sometimes it becomes mundane and repetitive. It becomes 
becomes just something that we do. And I don't ever want us to get to a place where we're showing up, calling ourselves worshiping because we're singing and the pastor's preaching and saying, hey, I went to church and I worshiped. When what you did was just attend a service with your friends, that was just it. I want you to really be in a place of worship. Let me tell you what happened to those, to this group of people that Hosea was speaking to. Hosea 6, 6, this is in your notes. You find these words. God says, I don't, I don't want your songs. I don't, I don't need all of that. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want your burnt offerings. Can I, make it, can I make it current? I want you to know me more than the songs you've memorized. Uh, let me do it again. I want you to know me more than the scriptures you've memorized and can quote. I want you to know me more than that daily devotional that you read every day. I want you to know me more than all this stuff that you think churches and church is and worship is about. Now, listen, I dig the ritual because I know there's some significance to that. As a matter of fact, this is God talking. As a matter of fact, I designed it because, and I shared this with with you later uh, next week or later on in the series, how God designed worship, how it was intentional, his plan for worship. I'm going to share that, how worship was supposed to be conducted. I'll share that next week. So, So worship in the ritualistic part is even of God. But when it becomes mundane and repetitive and your soul is exited from the proper response to worship, then that becomes a problem. And we got to get back to a place where our worship is authentic, where we're, where, we're, where we're giving our all to God. See, this is what happened with this group of people in Hosea, the Israelites. These people had gotten far away from the beauty of God and became too ritualistic. They knew that this is how worship had to be done. We had to give this kind of offering. We had to burn this type of incense. We had to pour this type of oil. We had to do these certain things. We had to sacrifice this type of animal. And so that's all they did. The heart was removed from the process of worship. They got there, did what they had to do. I've done my piece. I'm gone. Done my piece. Worship is done. Adios. Done, done, done. And this is what Hosea is saying. And we, (laughs) we're not far from that. We're just like that. We're just like that. It's not your fault. That's the good news about it. It's not your fault. Many of us, not me, but some of y'all, grew up in church, right? And there was was just a way y'all did it, right? Some of y'all grew up in churches where, like, if you Kojic, oh, my goodness, y'all could sing and shout like nobody's business. Some of y'all grew up in churches where you didn't have a band. You just had somebody who always brought a tambourine and was always off beat. Some of you grew up in churches where you had a, a, a large choir and you sang in the, in the kids' choir. And then you couldn't wait to become a young adult so you could sing in the young adult choir because you finally got a robe. I didn't go to church, but I just know some things about everything. Huh? It's not your fault how you approach worship today. It it, it came from somewhere. Perhaps it came from your family tradition. Perhaps it came from what you think worship should be. Perhaps it came from the church you attended last year or the year before you came to Mosaic Church. It came from somewhere. So I want to tell you, it's not your fault. But this is why I want you today, this moment, to forget everything you've ever thought about worship. Watch this. It could even be our fault at Mosaic Church. Right? If you've been here for a year, there's a certain way we do things. Am I right about it? Two songs, one fast, one slow, sit it down. Maybe my jam this week, may not be, but hey, this is what we're going to do. Huh? Maybe we messed you up at Courageous where we had a, an awesome band, but the band was so good you couldn't worship because you were like, man, they jamming. I'm being real. Because when we were done, people were standing there like, whoa. It's like, this ain't no show. We're trying to set the mood. We set the wrong mood. It's not your fault how you view worship today. 
But it's my job, as long as you are in my presence, and God is mandating me to do this, to correct what you already know about worship. Now, if you don't change after this, hey, I've done my part. God has already given me a dap and a high five. He says, add a boy. I'm good with that. But my hope is that it really tugs on your heart and it changes. Amen? We're not going to depend on one person. I want to share some more scripture. Watch this. Amos 5, 22 through 24. And I'm going to repeat this a little bit later on. It's going to be really good. Amos 5, 22, 24. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. Woo-wee. Wait till I read it later on. It's going to blow your mind in the message version. He's like, I don't, listen, sing as loud as you want. Have a full band. You can shout my name a gazillion times in a gazillion different languages, but I know you're doing it just for show. Your heart is not into it. You're just doing it. That's why you recruited the best singers. That's why you recruited the best musicians. So you can say you have the best choir, the best worship team, the best, the best, the best. But where am I at? Because I'm supposed to be the best. This is God talking. You got the best of everything, but where am I at in the midst of it? And so many of us get caught up in that. People have left this church, this small congregation, because, oh, the worship is just not that on point. And I say, well, it's not our worship. It's your worship that's not on point. Because you're worshiping us as singers. You're worshiping a church. You're worshiping the pastor. But if you're worshiping God, matter of fact, we don't need any instruments if you're worshiping God. Matter of fact, we can have everybody just stay here and nobody lead from here and sing. Listen, if you're worshiping in the right way, you don't need all the stuff. So don't come saying, I don't like Mosaic's worship. Look in the mirror and say, I don't like so-and-so's worship because you got it wrong, baby. And I wish they were here today to learn what worship really is about. Amen. Malachi, the final scripture, then I want to give you some notes to take with you. We're going to get into this thing. Malachi 1, 1 through 14. I'm not going to read this, but I want to just read this. I just want to tell you what's going on. Once again, God set up the system of sacrifice. Isn't it just amazing how God is? Right? I mean, he's like, he want to make sure <laughs> that you don't fail. He does, I mean, literally, not only does he give you a blueprint, he's like, listen, this is what I want y'all to do. Just bring the best of what you got to me, okay? Just bring the best of what you got to me and watch what I do with it. Let me bless you. Bring your very best. That's all I ask. Then he says, listen, I'm going to give you all the money, all the riches in the world, just give me like 10% of it. Do y'all know God could have said, give me like 90%? Y'all remember, well, we, we, we wouldn't have a faith. We would be, be gone. I mean, no faith. We, we wouldn't be Christians anymore. 90%, I ain't, I'm going to be something else. What, what, what they got where I ain't got to pay nothing? Our God is so gracious, lays it out, says, just give me this. You don't have to guess. Do this. You don't have to figure it out. Do that. And then watch this. He's so wonderful. In the New Testament, he says, when, you, when you're praying and you don't know what to say, he sends himself in the form of the Holy Spirit to groan on your behalf. God doesn't want you to fail. He don't want you to miss it. He's, he's got you covered. But here it is, people in Malachi. He's giving them clear instruction. He says, do these things and you'll be blessed. What do they do? He said, bring me the best. They're bringing him blind cows, cows that got one leg longer than the other one, you know, cows that don't know they're cows, they think they're goats. Instead of bringing him the best, they bring him these defiled animals, these defiled sacrifices. He's like, bring me the good oil. And they stopping down in the West End getting that $5 oil. Huh? (laughs) For those listening on the podcast, West End is a is a little neighborhood where they sell oils. But listen, he's like, give me the best. Give me, give me, give me that, give me that good stuff. 
And these people are like, you know what, I'm just going to do it a little bit. He says, give me a 16 ounce, and they bring in this stuff. Huh? This is what they're doing. But, but, but you know, we're humming and laughing, but we do that. When we show up here, we sit down, drink our little coffee, have our little tea from Mosaic Cafe, huh? And, and if, and if Akiko's mom comes and bring the rice cakes, we have a little bit of those rice balls, huh? Then we sit down and we wait till what happens? Till the countdown gets to the end of five minutes. Then Dorothy stands up here. All right, y'all know what time it is. Get up on your feet. And y'all get up. And we wait for it to put a, God forbid the lyrics don't show up. Y'all are lost. God forbid Tia takes a nap and doesn't put the lyrics of the song. Y'all like. I mean, I'm being real. And when we do that, we're just like the people in Malachi. We're bringing the limp cow. We're bringing the blind donkey. We're bringing all of the bad stuff that God doesn't want because we're bringing half-hearted stuff. Our heart isn't in it. We're just doing it because it's part of our weekly ritual. Will y'all still be my friend when I'm done with this? Y'all promise? All right. I I just got to step on some toes because I got to get you to a place to where our authentic worship is accepted by God. I don't ever want God to look at anything that we're doing at Mosaic Church. I don't ever want God to look at anything that you're doing in your personal walk and say, you know what, I'm rejecting it because your heart is not connected to it. I don't ever want that to happen for anyone in this place under the sound of my voice. And so I have to step on your toes to get you to a place. When y'all were little, when mom and daddy used to discipline you, they said, I'm doing this. It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you, but I'm doing this because I love you, and that's what I'm doing. I'm going to step on your feet because I love you. And in the end, I want God to accept everything that you bring to him because it's authentic and it's pure and it came from the heart. Amen. If you are taking notes with me, I want you to uh, take this. There are three reminders of worship that I don't want you to miss. There are three reminders of worship. I want to make sure that God accepts everything that you do because it comes from your heart. But here are three reminders that you got to have, that you got to know. Ready? The first one is worship is meeting and responding to God. Meeting and responding to God. Meeting and responding to God. An intimate knowledge of the person and character of God is perhaps the greatest motivation for true worship. An intimate Knowledge, not just knowledge. See, you can have all the head knowledge about God. I know there are some people in this room that know more Bible than I do. But I don't know if your heart is as attached as mine. I don't know if you're as passionate. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just saying nobody, I'm telling you, when it comes to my passion and my heart for God, nothing gets in the way of that. Nothing at all. My heart, my life, my everything is God. So when I get into a place of worship, I'm not waiting for no jam. I'm not waiting for no song. Me and God have been worshiping 24-7. I'm worshiping in my sleep. I'm waking my family up because I am having an encounter with them, especially when I take a pause and begin to think about 1990. 99, meaning that was before Broderick was saved. 1998, before I accepted Christ. 1997, before I accepted Christ. When I begin to think about the doggedness of my life, when I begin to think about the dirt in my life, when I begin to think about even my current flaws as a pastor, oh my God, I got to worship him because he keeps me going. He covers me with his grace. He covers me with his mercy. I begin to worship just thinking about how he's brought me to where I am today. I don't need a jam to get me there. All I need is my memory. So, God, if you take my memory, I'm in trouble. I don't need a jam. Thank you, God, for my memory. Because it reminds me every day that I got this far, 39 years, almost 40, by his grace. Even when I didn't believe in him, he believed in me. Even when I denied him and didn't love him, he still loved me and never denied me. You don't need a jam. You just need your memory. Think about some things. Go back into your closet. Open up that journal from about three years ago and see if you (laughs) need a jam to worship. Open up your journal last year and see if you need a jam to worship. I'm going to stop preaching. I want to do more teaching this morning. I'm going to stop. Y'all got me ready to go. I love what Paul is saying 
to the Romans in chapter 11, 33 through 36. Watch this. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. This is the part that tripped me out. How impossible it is for us to understand his decision and ways. Then he goes and quotes Isaiah. He says, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? I'm going to stop right there. It's so amazing that our God is so big, so wonderful, so incredible, right? Because we don't understand him, not us, but some people don't understand him, they deny him. They question and try to figure out, and I'm speaking of science when I say this, they try to figure out how does this God exist? What was he standing on when he created the earth? Where was he at? They, because they don't understand how big is so incomprehensible to their small minds that they have to figure out through science, does he really exist? And I'm here to tell you, he is that wonderful. Scripture just says, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible. Stop right there. It's impossible to understand how wonderful he is. Our brains are not big enough to comprehend it. Our minds are not strong enough to comprehend some of the stuff he has done. The way he can throw the stars in the sky, name them all. Some of them can shift, but he allows the North Star to be the compass for centuries of of navigators in this world. The North Star, the brightest one, the only one that never moves. Only God can do that. Sure, science will try to take credit for it and figure it out, but only God can do something like that. How wonderful is he? The way he creates the seasons and and, and allows the trees and the flowers to blossom season after season. The way he can, watch this, have a snowstorm on one day and have a 70-degree weather on a Sunday. Only God can do that. Science will never, ever figure that out. Only God can do that. So stop trying to figure God out and start hanging out with him a little bit more. Start trying to figure out why he does what he does and try to figure out what he wants you to do. That's why he does what he does. Begin to worship him with your heart. Worship is a relational response to God that he deserves from those who know him. Praise is a relational response to the truths of God. I'm going to say that again because I think that just went just like that. Worship is a relational response to God that he desires from those who know him. Here's praise. Praise is a relational response to the truths of God. Let me fix that so y'all can catch this and maybe get, maybe I'd get one shout or amen on this one. What are the truths of God? Sure, we can find the truths here. There are a lot of truths here, right? I mean, I could talk, I can read this and read about the truths of, 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 of Rahab. I, I can read this and read about the truth of Abraham and, 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 and Sarah. I can read this and read about the truths of, of so many in this Bible. I can, I can read this in the New Testament and read about the truths of the blind man who was, uh, who, 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 whose sight was restored. I can read this Bible and read about the truths of the lame man who was able to walk. I can read this story about the truths of those hungry people, the 5,000 that Jesus fed with a couple fish, uh, a couple pieces of fish and some loaves of bread. I can read the truth truths of everybody, but it's not going to make sense to me until I can put my own truth into it. When I begin to talk about what he's done for me in my life, or better yet, if it is not me, what he did for my neighbor, what he did for my mama, what he did for my grandmother, what he did for my uncle, my aunt, my child, that then becomes the truth that I can share with other people. Jack so can point Bible all day, but it's not relevant until I can say, this is what he did for me personally. Put your exclamation. I knew I was going to get a few amens today just so I can feel like I was preaching amen listen listen catch this don't miss that that's important he does listen praise is a relational response to the truths of God your truth is your truth God customizes blessings. In other words, he ain't going to bless Starbos the way he blessed Dorothy. Similar circumstances, but the blessing is customized with your name on it. There is your truth, and there is where your praise happens. There is where your praise happens. Wow, man, I'm telling you, if this was a Pentecostal church, I'd have about three runners, three. (laughs) 
I guarantee it, three, they'd be chasing each other around this place. Second thing I want to offer to you, my brothers and sisters, I should have told them to turn the heat off this morning. Man, it's hot in here. Second thing is, worship does not come out of our mouths. It comes out of our hearts. Worship does not come out of our mouths. It comes out of our hearts. It comes out of the overflow of our hearts. Everything that God is pouring in our hearts, that's where our worship occurs. In other words, if you're not connected in your heart with God, then you miss it. Let me share Amos 5, 21 through 24 one more time, but I'm going to read the message version. Man, when I read this, it tripped me out because I'm, I'm headed somewhere at the end of the month, my wife and I. Yeah, I read this. It messed me up. Watch this. Amos 5, 21 through 24. The message version says this. I can't stand. Just saying that alone trips me out. You know when somebody says, I can't stand. You know that's just like the face is made, the hand on the hand. I can't stand. And God is saying, I can't stand your religious meetings that Sunday morning. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I'm going to one later this month. I want nothing to do with your religion projects. That's your outreach stuff. Your pretentious slogans and goals. Reach one, serve one, and all of this stuff. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. Oh, who's got the best website, right? I've, 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 had, a, I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. Woo, he's stepping on toes. When was the last time you sang to me? Ooh. I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. When was the last time you sang to God? When was the last time you sang to God? Really, when Dorothy stopped and you kept going. You started singing in your own language. When the music stopped, you kept singing in your own language. Matter of fact, all you had was thank you. You ever gotten to a thank you place? Oh, my goodness. You ever gotten to a place where you just couldn't stop? You tried to stop physically? Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank thank you, God. You tried to hum it out. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Because every thank you was attached to a truth in your life, how he brought you through. Every thank you was attached to a reality that he brought you through something that only he could have done it. Thank you, God. You ever had a thank you moment and you couldn't stop? That was worship, baby. That was worship. Sometime I'm driving. The other day I put on Facebook, I was having a moment. And I, it took me back to 2000 when I became a Christian. And at the time, you know, there were a lot of great artists, but Fred Hammond was speaking really in my life. And there was a song. I wish I had it up there. If you find it, to you go ahead and, and play it. But uh, there was a song he did, uh, Thank You. Thank you, Lord, for being there for me and all of this stuff. I mean, so I posted it on Facebook because it was giving me so much life at that moment. You know, even as a pastor, we struggle. Even as a pastor, I'm not always happy. I'm down sometimes. But I, some reason, it, it just came in my little shuffle. I was working at Starbucks, my little office over there. And all of a sudden, that was just shuffled in my little mix. And I was just in there like, oh, man, don't cry. I'm not in front of these people. Don't do And I had to go to the bathroom and just let some stuff out real quick because it, it touched me because it was 2000 where I became a Christian. That song came out in the year 2000. If you, if you don't know the song, it's, uh, I think it's called Thank You. Thank you, Lord, for being there for me. But it's wonderful. And all he's saying the whole song is thank you. 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 And it just took me to a place that was uncontainable for me. I couldn't control myself even in public. And I had to go and have my moment. And I just had it like, you know what? I bet you somebody else need to hear this. And I posted it on Facebook. And so many people clicked, oh, man, yeah. It's been a long time, but thank you. It's been a long time, but thank you. And this is God saying he wants your worship. True worship comes from the heart, and it's not a result of human performance. True worship comes from the heart. It's not a result of human performance. If we, and later I'm going to share with you, 
in the Bible, when, when God designed worship, he had like thousands of people singing, thousands of harp players and flute players. I mean, it was God's desire to have this huge, enormous worship team. But do you know what? It wasn't so that they could jam out and have a great time. It was to what? Worship him. He said, this is what I want. But, but, but it's not for you. It's for me. It's for me. And God wants that same thing. He wants us. He doesn't, it's not about a big old jam. True worship comes from the heart and is not a result of human performance. We don't worship for mere moments of joyful thanksgiving. It's not coming together just, oh, I felt good. Worship. No, it's having an encounter with him. Nobody else is in the room. It's you and him. You singing loud and off key. Now, here's what I know. Some of y'all sing loud and off key in the club. Like me and my wife, we do that. You know, we, we, our jam is on. We singing loud and off key. And we worship in that moment. But it's not the same as singing loud and off key and worshiping our God. I don't care who hears how off key. I don't care who, who looks at me sobbing and weeping. I don't care who sees me all up on the floor in this. But I don't care that you see me this way. I am worshiping my God. I am worshiping my God. Here's the third thing I want to share with you, and then we're going to get out of here. We come to this place of worship to give, not get. We come to this place of worship to give and not get. I talk to so many people throughout the week you know, in all of the things that I do in the places I go, whether it's in schools or I'm meeting people at or having meetings. And it's always, man, I need to, I need to get to church, man. I just, I'm not feeling good about life right now, feeling down. I, I, I just need to get to church. I said, why you, why you, why you need to get to church? I just, I just need, I just need to hear from God, man. What's the next step for me? We can do that right here in this parking lot. In this mall, we'll find the closet in this school. But we can hear from him where we are. And oftentimes, we feel that we have to get to a place to get from God. But I want to tell you something and live with this. Take this, eat this up, share it. All the tools that you need to have a worship-filled life, God has given you. He just wants you to give them back to him better than how he gave them to you. Any people understand finances in here? When you make an investment, you're expecting a return on your investment, an ROI, return on your investment, right? So if I give something, I'm investing in something, I want to see some type of increase. I want to get more back than I gave. And God is saying, you are my best investment. Look, when I looked at you, I didn't have to compare stocks and bonds. I didn't have to see what else was going on. You are my best investment. If I'm going to reap anything and reconcile and make, 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 make everything that I believe and everything that I share even greater, I'm going to invest into you heavily. I'm not looking at any other stock. You are the stock. You are the top one. Today, I'm investing in you. Now, what I want you to do with this that I'm investing into you, I want you to turn it around and give it back to the world better than how I gave it to you and then you'll be worshiping me that that was good i had to amen myself on that that was good some of y'all must not be financial people what i put into you is not for you and when you come to this place looking for me to give you something i've already given it to you now give it back not in that service, but to your neighbor. Give it back. Not to your church, but to your community. Uh, uh, give, give it back to that person that does not know me yet. Uh, uh, give, give it back in Ghana, not in just America. Uh, give, give it back to that homeless brother who's hungry and your stock is full at your house. Uh, give, give it back. 
all the riches in your bank account. Give it back. Because I can do greater with it outside of your hands. That's why I gave it to you. Do y'all know y'all live in the richest country in the world? Do y'all know that? We live in the richest country. Do you know that God did that intentionally? Real talk. Any of us could have been born in the Philippines, Africa, Haiti. I'm talking about the poor parts. A totally different lifestyle. And God put you here in this country. Not for you. Not for you. Not so you can have bling. Not so you can have a nice crib. Not so you can drive a fancy car. So you can give him glory. So that you can help people see his glory. He gave to you for a reason. And we get caught up in, I'm going to church because I need to get. It trips me out when people leave a church because they say they're not being fed. And I'm like, what? What do you mean not being fed? So, you de- so what you're telling me is you're still a baby that needs a bottle, the bottle representing a worship leader and a worship team and a pastor that's going to preach you into glory. Really? You still need to be spoon-fed. You will never cut teeth that way. Never. You've got to grow up. You've got to be stretched beyond your, your level of comfort. Leave a church because the pastor offended you. I get that. Leave a church because it was time for you to go. I hope all of you go. We're supposed to go. That's part of the scripture. We are to go. God said go. He didn't say go to your church, find your church, and that's where you spend the rest of your life and die there. No. He said go. So we all should be ready to go. Right? But listen, if you leave a church because you're not being fed, then you're the problem. Not your church. Okay, I knew it would get quiet in here. Some of y'all must have been thinking about leaving or something. (laughs) I don't like that because you're depending too much on man and not giving room for God. What I say earlier, clear everything you ever thought about worship from your head because this is different. We have to give everything. I'm about about to break it down to you right now, what, what God really wants. This is what he wants. This is what he wants. Watch this. This is what he wants. When worshiping, the emphasis, the emphasis should not be placed on the worshiper, but on the one who is worshipped. That's God. Watch this. True worship is an exercise of the human spirit that is directed to God. Here's what he wants. Watch this. If, if, if we read Romans from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 11, Paul is giving a summary of the Gospels. Watch this. He is. He's giving a summary of the Gospels. And let me tell you who he's speaking to. He's speaking to Americans, okay, Romans, but they look a lot like us, right? Very wealthy society, got everything they need. They got more than what they need. They got it going on. They had the Internet. Other countries didn't have it. They didn't have it, but y'all know what I'm saying, right? Paul is speaking to Romans who look just like Americans. They have everything, the greatest wealth. They're diverse economically. They've got it going on. They've got all these different cultures, different races, different everything, just like America. And Paul is telling them from verse 1, chapter 1, to chapter 11. Y'all got it wrong. Let me explain this thing, the gospel. Let, let me explain in chapters 1 through 4 your focus, which is the heart of the gospel. Let me, let me explain that. And then in chapters 5 through 8, let me give you the assurance which is provided by the gospel. And and then in chapter 9 through 11, I want to defend the importance of this gospel. And he's saying this to these consumeristic people who have everything they want, but they're still not satisfied. These Americans, I'm sorry, I keep saying that. I I mean, Romans. He's trying to get them to a place to like, your material stuff is not it. Y'all are searching for more, and more doesn't come in attaining more. More doesn't come in possessions. More doesn't come in money. More comes in God. And here's why. Because his son came in the flesh for us. He died for you and I. But this is what he wants in return for that. Watch this. Chapter 12, verse, oh man, this is where it gets excited. Chapter 12, verse 1 of Romans, he says this. All of this stuff 
the sacrifice he made, him walking and healing people, uh, uh, him, him doing all of this stuff, Jesus coming, doing all of this stuff. I want, this is what he wants in return for all that he's done. Romans 12, 1. In view of the past 11 chapters, this is what it all comes down to, my brothers and sisters. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let your bodies, let them be living in holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. All that he did from feeding thousands of people, from healing sick people, from helping possess folk that were demon-possessed. All of this, Paul is explaining to this consumeristic society. He did all of that, right? Not so you can have bling, but you could give it back. Live your life, your entire lifestyle. I shouldn't look at how you dress, what you're driving, and, and, and say, wow, they must have a good job. I should look at how you're dressed, what you're driving, what you're doing, and say, wow, they must be connected to God. All of that stuff should, I don't even need the fish to tell me that. Huh? I don't need the cross to tell me that. I just know because of how you live your lifestyle, how you are with your coworkers at work, how you are with your staff, how you are with the students, how you are with your family, all of that stuff that God has given you should tell me who you're connected to. And this is what he's saying. Chapters 11 all the way here tells you, give your lives as a living sacrifice. The consuming, selfless desire to give to God is the core of the heart of worship. The consuming, selfless desire. Ooh, you ever been, you know, when you had that thank you moment and you see people, you ever been in church and you see people doing this? Huh? You know, some of it's for show, but sometimes they really want more. They're like, oh, God, if I could just get you down here with me, all over me, all inside, Come. And that's sometimes how I feel. I don't care who's in the room. I'm just, mm, if you could just be right here consuming me completely so that I don't even have to work hard to show the people that you and I are connected. You're already inside of me. Just give me you. Give me all of you. Watch this. The heart of worship, it begins with giving first of ourselves. Then our attitudes, then <laughs> our possessions, until worship becomes a way of life. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.